the Psalms. They're a collection of songs in the middle of the Bible. If, you have a, if you've got a physical Bible with you and you fall it open, pretty well likely to get the Psalms. And they're reflective of the human relationship with God. They run the gamut of worship to despair, of adoration to complaint, of trust to questioning, from wonder to confession. And somewhere in the Psalms, I can guarantee that if you have any belief in God at all, that you will find something that resonates with you. Now, just over half the Psalms were composed by David, including the one we're going to look at today. David lived about a thousand years before Christ. He achieved fame as a teenager for killing the giant Goliath, who was threatening the Israelite forces. He endured years of guerrilla warfare because of King Saul's paranoia and threats against him. And eventually he did become Israel's king and indeed their greatest king. He was a leader who inspired his followers but who also made some sad and bad choices towards the end of his life for which he greatly repented. There are a couple of wonderful phrases used of David that I love. One is that he was the sweet singer of Israel or the hero of Israel's songs is another translation of that. <clears throat> and it also says he was a man after God's own heart. Is that not a description we would all like to have, a person after God's own heart? So today I'd like to look at Psalm 27. If you could open your Bibles to that or scroll on your phone. And Psalm 27, oh thank you. Psalm 27, Psalm 27 was probably written um, according to the Greek um, version of the Old Testament prepared by Jews in Alexandra, Alexandria, probably written when he was anointed king. Now, he was anointed three times. Um, it probably wasn't when he was the teenager that Samuel anointed, but he was anointed king of Judah and then eventually anointed king over all Israel. And so, to some extent, this psalm is actually reflective or reflecting on some of the great difficulties he had faced in reaching that point. And I can safely say that whatever else is happening in your personal life, that you, like all the rest of us, are facing perplexing challenges just in being alive in 2022, and grateful we are to be alive. So this psalm speaks to all of us. I'd like it to, us to read it together. In other words, I'm going to ask you to read responsively, but look at the pattern as we look at it. It's almost like, is it a club sandwich where you have layers of bread and things? Thank you, Glenys. <laughs> so he starts, he starts and ends with a positive focus on God, and in between, in that, there are, there are um, times when he describes the difficulties or dangers he's faced, then he goes back to thinking about God, back to the dangers, back to God. So notice that this multi-layered approach throughout this psalm. So hopefully you've got your Bibles and your phones um, on Psalm 27. I will start. Please join in on the even-numbered verses, 2, 4, 6, 8, etc. Okay, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my saviour. Though my mother and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. These wonderful words. Um, I memorised this psalm. I can't remember it all right through now, but I memorised it as a 16-year-old when I was dragged kicking and screaming to living Victoria. Dreadful fate. I dragged away from my friends, some of whom I'm still friends with because I'm a friend keeper. And there's nothing like a melodramatic teenager to think your life is over. And I obviously was not surrounded by enemies apart from, you know, living in Victoria with Hawthorne supporters in a all that kind of stuff. Not that I care about football, but they all did. But God is gracious and he deals with us where we are. And so this psalm at that point spoke to me and I can remember reciting it as I walked to the high school. And But interestingly enough, when I looked up my older authorised version Bible, um, which I would have been using then, the note in that says that indeed I had been pointed to this psalm by two leaders from Wet College at a camp in May 1965 at Blue Lagoon. And that, that old Bible's got it all underlined as well. So God speaks to us at different times. And this has been a very precious psalm to me. And verse 1, let us just go through it a bit together. Verse 1 is an excellent verse for a new year where there is lots to fear. I, whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? If the Lord is my light and my salvation and my strength. And it's worth memorising just this verse to say every day this year. And then in verses 2 and 3, when David talks about his enemies and an army besieging him. David had plenty of experience of enemies and of being besieged. And if you ever want to read what is virtually like, I know it's not a novel, but it reads almost like a novel from 1 Samuel 20 onwards, 
the chapters of David's life, being chased by Saul through wilderness and hiding in caves and existing with a band of warriors, his band of 30 and his special band of three warriors who helped but a whole hundreds of others who came to him. There's, I'm surprised it hasn't been made, maybe it has been made into a film and I've just missed it, but he had plenty of experience of danger and yet he would say, even then will I be confident because especially if this is looking back at his life, he knew that God had preserved him through all of that. And yet verse 4 is where his heart was. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. Now given all that background, you might well think the next verse is going to be, this is what I seek, that I be preserved from all these dangers, that I be kept safe, that I be kept um, to be king and so on. That's not what he says at all. He says that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. One thing, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Because he knew that that was the safest place to be, focused on God. Thomas put a beautiful um, photo on Facebook this week with this verse. Thank you, Thomas. <laughs> it's a beautiful photo of a sunrise um, with verse 4 with it and indeed it is a focus for us because God will keep us safe in the ways that matter and I also think of that one thing it's a really interesting study actually to do all the things in the Bible where it says one thing but one thing that Paul said and again this is a great verse for a new a new year in Philippians 3 forgetting what is behind one thing I do I press towards the goal for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. One thing I do, look at him. And the I'd love to read something from one of my very favourite authors, Julian of Norwich, who was lived in the 15th century in England. I've actually been to the little church where she lived in a cell at the side of it. And she had visions and she also wrote about God's love this is some beautiful things. She had a total heart for God. Although our Lord God is with us and dwells in us, holding and enfolding us in tender love, never to leave us, and although he is nearer to us than tongue can tell or heart can think, even so, we shall never cease from sighs nor tears, nor yet from yearning, till we come to see clearly his most blessed face. In that lovely sight, no grief can live no blessing fail. This blessed sight is the end of all pain to the loving soul and brings to fulfilment all joy and delight. If we focus on God, the troubles get into perspective. They don't go away, as David found for years. They don't go away but the perspective of God being in control and loving us and of what is really important comes to the fore. And David knew this by experience because in the next day, the next verses after he had said about that, he says, for in the day of trouble he will keep me safe, he will hide me, my head will be exalted and so on. He knew that he had been kept safe, that he had triumphed politically, but his in the end, but his reaction was to praise and thank God. And of course, he 
was extremely skilled at doing that. He was a wonderful singer and a wonderful harpist. And so when he says, I'll sing and make music to the Lord, thank God for that because we've got 70-something songs that he wrote in Psalms. But he, music speaks to our hearts in a way that other things don't as well. Expre they ex music expresses our deepest desires. Even in the secular world, look at the huge, huge, huge amount of music that is out there particularly expressing love or the lack of it. And it is a blessing to us to use it in worship. And David did that. I will sing and make music to the Lord. And then in verses 7 to 12, he is almost debating what is going on. It's funnily after all that to say, hear my voice, don't, don't, don't go away from me, don't hide your face, don't reject me, don't forsake me. David knew by experience that he'd been kept safe but he still asked God to answer him and it's obviously clear that that happened and he clearly had a two-way relationship with God where he heard things heard things by revelation that God said to him his I've said before probably say it again that his relationship with God is so markedly different from the Greeks, for example, the one civilization that I have studied a little bit in the past, a long time in the past, um, his, his feelings towards God are totally different. The Greeks, if it's right, Homer or whoever Homer was, writing at a similar time, they feared the gods. The gods were to be placated. The gods were fickle. You never knew what the gods would do, so you had to do something to you know, make, make sure they kept away from you and so on and so forth. Zeus was yeah not a very nice person at all if you back if you all the things about Zeus who of course was an invented thing but that, that attitude to God there's nothing of love there nothing of the knowledge of the love of God David's heart relationship with God is totally different the Canaanite gods that they were surrounded by in Israel sacrificed children to to their gods nothing like the God that David shows us and so he, although he is pleading with God not to hide his face, he's almost debating this, and he doesn't whitewash his feelings or pretend that the dangers don't exist. Um, he had been um, at various times let down by family and even some friends, or, and we, that can happen to us, the things. He had been oppressed. Sometimes we have expressed, experienced some of us have experienced abuse or oppression he talks about people telling lies about him false witnesses rise up against me breathing out violence that may well have happened to us as well but he knew that in all that he totally knew that in all that God was with him and he still said I will seek your face so then we get to the last two beautiful verses. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And the authorised version, as I said, that I originally learned, said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The things that we are confident of. One thing that Paul in the New Testament says in Philippians, being confident of this very thing, that 
he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. Another great verse for a new year. He who began a good work will continue it. David knew that God in one way had begun a good work in him when he was anointed by Samuel as either a upper primary teenager sort of age. He knew that God, somehow he knew from then that God's intentions for him to be king were good and he, um, without trying to usurp Paul, uh, Saul's authority as king, he knew that that was the path that God had laid out for him. And so he had seen through all these difficulties in his life, as we can too, that he was confident of the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Um, the other thing is it's not con confidence in anything that we do. He wasn't confident in the fact that he'd been anointed. It doesn't mention that in this psalm at all. But he was confident in God's strength and grace and sustaining power. And so to verse 14, wait for the Lord. The authorised version says, be of good courage. I can do with a bit of courage nowadays. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Um, the note, I've got a note in my Bible against this, in this Bible. One of the great advantages of having an actual physical Bible and not your phone, and maybe there's some app on your phone that you can add notes, is there? Thank you, Sean. Okay, I am not to that stage. With I do have the Bible on my phone, but I don't know how to write on it. But it has got the advantage, in mine at least, where I have written significant things against it. And this note here says 22 409, 22nd of April um, 2009, job uncertainty. So if I can take you back to there for me is that if you remember 2009, most of you probably do, it was the year of the global recession. So I was working as a temporary job at the State Archives and it was becoming evident that contracts would not be renewed after the 30th of June, which is in fact what happened. So at that point I have taken that verse, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord, because that was my income. I was actually part way through a PhD but I'd almost, I think, by that stage finished the scholarship. And although I am very blessed to own my house, you do actually have to pay money for food and things like that, you know, that nasty little problems like that. So I did actually not have that contract renewed. And so it was actually really a matter of faith to say that the Lord be of good courage and wait for the Lord. You know, I, I got a... I said when I actually did lose the job, I said that to a friend fairly soon after I was quite upset and he said you've been looked after so far and that was a very steadying thing because this is what David's doing as well he's looking at what God has done and what he will do in the future and it was true I'd been looked after in various ways financially and physically to that point and by the third week of July after that financial year, end of financial year I had been offered a job totally out of left field which was, ended up being temporary and I ended up having another job after that, which was great, which I had for nearly 10 years. So I can say along with David that I will have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and that waiting on the Lord and taking heart in him 
does make a real difference to how we live and the peace in which we live. And so to finish, let me read again that the lovely verse in verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And the answer is obviously nothing.